This is the Partnership for the Arts talk show, where we talk art. Welcome to Where We Talk Art. I'm your host, Victor Gartner, and today we have as our guest, the musician and songwriter, Joe Gerzo. That's me. We will begin our talk with Joe right after this brief message. This is Partnership for the Arts. Come join us. As we explore the world of art. You can find us on our Facebook page at Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show. Or you can find us on our new website at pftatalkshow.org. PFTA Talk Show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. We are back, and Joe Gerzo, welcome to Where We Talk Art. Hey, it's great to be here, Victor. It's great to have you here. <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen you playing solo, I've seen you in a band, I've seen you playing with your brother, oh, and cool. the same thing with your brother, I've seen him around. Well, anybody living in uh, Southwest Florida may have seen you and heard you and your brother, because you guys are really busy. Yeah, it's been a pretty busy season. Um, like I was telling you before we went on, uh, the next two weekends I'm going out of town. It's the first two weekends I won't be playing in town, although I make up for it by playing on Tuesday nights like I did last night. That, there so. you go. <laughs> well, I, I've seen you on YouTube and oh, yeah. with three different groups. Yeah, I, I play in a band here called the Tin Can Tourists. Um, we specialize in doing Beatles tributes, Buddy Holly, Tom Petty, Cheap Trick. The Pixies and the Ramones is what we started with. But we also write our own originals, and we came out with an album last year. But I still play with a band I played with in Athens, Georgia, which is where I moved down here from. They're called the Vinyl Strangers, and I'm looking forward to seeing them next weekend. We're playing up there. Athfest is the festival that's going on in Athens, Georgia, next weekend. <laughs> All right. Well, it must be very difficult to have to go from one state to another. I mean, it isn't like Florida's of this little tiny state like Rhode Island where you can drive a half an hour and be the next state. Well, it's not that band. bad. It's like about an eight-hour drive. And before the pandemic, I was probably playing up there with those guys once every month or two. Mm -hmm. um, after the pandemic, things got canceled. In fact, our album came out in March of 2020, which is probably the worst time to come out with an album. We had a whole tour planned and everything, and oh my. just went down the drain. And uh, since then, I've only gone up there spottingly and like once or twice a year, actually, maybe three times a year or so. Mm -hmm. um, but down here, I'm, I'm every weekend, as you know, I'm always playing with the band or with my brother, yep. Chris Garzo. We call ourselves the G-Men, since our yes. last name begins with G. Very um, clever. So yep. it keeps you busy and also doing solo stuff. So between those three things, I stay pretty busy in town. <laughs> Excellent. Good for you. And I'd like to go back in time, get a little history so that people can get to know you a little okay. bit better. <laughs> so where were you born and raised? Well, I was born in St. Catharines, Ontario, which is just over the border um, from Buffalo, New York. My parents moved over the border to the American side when I was only six months old. Grew up in Buffalo, New York. We moved out to the suburbs when I was a younger child, Grand Island, New York, and uh, went to school there, started my first band there, and enjoyed playing. Made a friend who had a friend whose family was based in Atlanta, Georgia, and we went down to visit Athens, Georgia, where the University of Georgia is, and mm -hmm. when we did that, I decided to transfer from the University of Buffalo to the University of Georgia, where my, my other passion besides music is uh, history, right. and 
Civil War and post-Civil War, and of course, being in, in a southern state, you're you're around a lot more Civil War sites than you yes. are, say, in the state of New York, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's how I found my way to Athens, and I lived there for quite some time till I moved down here to be closer to my parents. Mm -hmm. um, and my brother moved from Chicago. I moved from here, and it was kind of a blessing in disguise because we're like, hey, we're both musicians. And my parents are very happy to see us playing together, and uh, <laughs> it's yeah. been a godsend, you know. There you go. I think at first I thought I was going to stop playing entirely, but no uh, my cousin motivated me. Well, you know, I was a little jaded because I went through some stuff with my last band. We were signed to a label out of L.A. Uh, you know, things happen. Managers steal money and record labels fold. Record labels are kind of shady. <laughs> the one we were involved with was a little bit, but um, and the band broke up. So I was a little jaded, but, you know, I, I got back into it down here and... The, I went the internet route. I went to a, a site called bandmix.com to try to find other musicians to play with. And kids, it's like going on a dating service and trying to get lucky three times. And uh, it took me quite a while to find the right players. Mm. Um, but I eventually did, and we call ourselves the Tin Can Tourists. <laughs> that is an unusual name. Yes. How did you come up with that? Well, like I was telling you off the air, I, I work at the Historical Center, what was called the Charlotte County Historical Center at the time. Right. So I was doing research on the Tin Can Tourists at the time, and that was the name of the first people in about the 20s and the 30s that used to travel. This is long before RVs. They used to drive, and they would pull trailers Gotcha. And they would load them up with cans of food, and people called them tin can tourists because they drive all over the country. <laughs> so this is this food. is yeah, and this is an actual group, and they would meet for their winter meetings down in this area. They'd have their conventions in Punta Gorda, mm -hmm. Arcadia, Sarasota, and then in the summertime they would meet up in like Grand Rapids, Michigan, so up north. Um, so I was studying that. We needed a name. We were playing at the Celtic Ray, and right across the street from the Celtic Ray, historically, is where the tin can tourists used to camp out okay. um, during season. So hmm. totally off the cuff, and it just kind of stuck. <laughs> so, wow. Thanks for that bit of information. Yes. It's only got to be a, a nerdy historical <laughs> edge to everything I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you wind up developing your, your musical talents? Um, well, when I was growing up, I, I was really influenced by my older brother. Chris is my older brother. Um, from the time I was about 12, I was his roadie, and he was in mm -hmm. bands when he was in high school, and I was okay. just a kid. I used to carry his equipment for him. Are you listening, Chris? Think about that next time. <laughs> you um, owe him, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was just influenced by being around musicians. <laughs> I used to joke that... My parents wouldn't send me to summer camp, but they'd send me on the road with my brother's band, which is probably the worst thing you could do for a kid. <laughs> but it was an education. Some of the behavior that I saw on the road was uh, pretty disturbing for a 12, 13-year-old to see. But I, I grew to love that kind of lifestyle. So when I got to high school, my, my goal was to meet guys I would be in a band with. And uh, I eventually did. And, you know, we started out by doing, like, David Bowie covers. What else did we do? Cramps. We were all into punk, too, you know, so we did some Sex Pistols and Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. But uh, we got around to writing our own music then and playing around the city of Buffalo, New York, and getting a bit of a name for ourselves, and which was great for a kid to get started because I was pretty shy in high school. But So that's how I got it started. And, you know, I credit my brother and, you know, my early influences. Of course, the Beatles. I mean, of course. when I was five years old, my uncle gave me two Beatles albums, and I 
wore those things out pretty quickly, <laughs> even though they were probably already worn out. And they were the first two Beatles albums, so it was that real, really that early stuff, you know, Please Please Me. Mm -hmm. I saw her standing there. Sure. So I kind of grew up on that kind of pop stuff. And as much as I wanted to be a punk rock singer, I, I just didn't have the gravelly, yelly, screamy kind of voice. So I went into the more of the, you know, the alternative stuff they would call from the 1990s, you know. Cool. R.E.M., the Smithereens. So how did you learn to play guitar? That's the interesting thing. I, I, both my brother and I, my brother's a keyboard play, player, yes. we both took piano lessons growing up. Oh. But I always wanted to play guitar because I figured you could carry it around with you. So I just I out of, went out of my way to make friends with guitar players in high school, <laughs> go to their houses after school and just watch and ask questions and learn from them. Mike Eaton from the Neurotic Blondes, that was my first band, uh, taught me a lot. So, And Ed Conley from my second band, the Earthworms. They, those guys helped me out. <laughs> Interesting names. Yes. <laughs> I don't see you as a blonde. Well, the Neurotic Blondes was a reference to <laughs> the girls that were hanging around with us at the time. Oh. <laughs> and I was taking a psychology class at the time in high school. Okay. So you had them diagnosed. <laughs> well, no, I was just studying neurosis at the time. So it's like I, I wanted to call us the Neurotics. And I remember Mike saying, uh, uh, neurotic blondes, because I, I think a girl that was stalking him was blonde at the time, mm -hmm. so yeah. Oh, that's funny. So what was your first gig? My first gig, I mean, this, where I went to high school, St. Joe's Battle of the Bands um, was our, our first technical gig. I think that's what we were really gearing up for, was just mm -hmm. to, to be able Battle to play four bands. songs at the Battle of the Bands. Yep. And... Uh, play in front of an all-boys, so there's no girls in the crowd, an all-boys high school. And uh, it, it went well. I mean, they didn't have a winner or loser, but we, the response was well. I remember we did David Bowie's Hang On To Yourself. We did The Cramps Chicken. We did Wild Thing, but we did a reggae version of Wild Thing. Mm. And then we did a punk rock version of Leaving On A Jet Plane by Peter, Paul, and Mary. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of variety right there. Yes. And four songs, no less. I know, right? That's unusual. For yeah, I know. I, we, we made it all the way through. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember with my band, high school band, garage band, our first gig was um, a guy in the neighborhood was going to have a party, and we could have all the pizza we could eat if we would play. Oh, that sounds yeah, a good so, deal. You know, I would have took that deal in a heartbeat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I would have took that deal last night. No, you guys had great soup last night. So uh, Yeah, they do a pretty good job over there. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't understand, we're, we're talking about um, the Maple Leaf Golf and Country Club. Yes. And uh, they have dinners a couple of times during the week, and we have live entertainment. It was happy hour. Yes, they called it happy hour. And I went out of my way to learn happy hour, the song by the House Martins. And I think it went over that, everybody's head. <laughs> but it was well appreciated. Okay. <laughs> well, I saw you and your brother, Chris, performing at the Maple Leaf Golf and Country Club. Oh, yeah. It was about maybe four weeks ago or yeah, so. Yeah, I was, was going to say about a month ago. And you had an entourage with you. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> so so who, who was there? My whole family was there, of course. My mom and dad, like I said, they love that we're always playing. Mm -hmm. My Aunt Cora and my Uncle Frank, who hangs out all the time, my wife Ashley, and my four-year-old daughter, Mercy Joy, who has stole the show, yes, as she did. always does, 
dancing on the floor. She was quite the dancer. Yes, yes. She's wonderful. <laughs> She's a joy. <laughs> yeah, everybody was smiling from ear to ear watching that. Yeah, someone dance. last night told me, where's your daughter? I'm that like, was my wife. Oh, was it? She told me that <laughs> like, she asked you, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't bring her last night. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll look forward to seeing her again at some point. Yes, I will bring her. So you had three generations there. Mm-hmm. That, that's remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Are, you said your parents came from Canada and moved to the United States, so were they natives of Canada? Oh, no, no. They, Mom and Dad grew up in the Philippines. Ah. Um, we're both Filipino. So okay. um, they, they moved over. My brother was born in the Philippines as well. They moved to Canada because they had a shortage of nurses, like they probably do here, as I've, I think mm. I've read. Um, so Mom got a job there, and Dad was an accountant, and she shifted her gears and, and got a, a nursing job in Buffalo, New York on the west side at a Columbus hospital, which does not exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I should have said yeah. something earlier, but I, I have some connection to Buffalo. Oh, you do? When I was in undergraduate school, I went to Geneseo. State you went University. to Geneseo? Yes, I did. One of my best friends went there. Yeah, yeah, great college. And my cousin, so yeah. Great college. I'm really glad I went there. And uh, I have a niece now who's an occupational therapist who lives in East Aurora, which is just <laughs> outside of Buffalo. I know where that is. My, one of my best friends, uh, Scott Carpenter, he was in a band called Scott Carpenter and the Real McCoys from Buffalo, New York. And they used to crash on my floor all the time when I was in Athens, whenever they were on the road. <laughs> so, and we used to play shows with them all the time. And East Aurora is out there, but not too far from Buffalo. <laughs> no, not too far at all. Well, let me see. On the... On the um, YouTube videos that I was looking at, you were talking about releasing a new album with your band, The Vinyl Strangers. Yes, that was in 2020. The album is called um, Till We Meet Again, <laughs> which is a line from the song. We decided not to name it after a song, but a, a line from one of the songs, a line from number two, a song called Wonderful. And it was, it was a pleasure to release it, but unfortunately we couldn't support it with any dates in 2020. But it did get around. I, I did get a lot of great feedback from this country of Spain, which made me excited. Uh, quite a few podcasters got in contact with me from there, and I had to have my friend who speaks fluent Spanish help me decipher what they were saying. All I remember is estupendo was one of the words. So <laughs> I, I go, is that good? <laughs> yes, it means stupendous. <laughs> well, but, I'm looking at the back cover of the CD, mm -hmm. and I see that you wrote a good majority of the songs. Yeah, I wrote seven of the ten songs on there, and... On the new Tin Can Tourist, I wrote all the songs. So, yeah, I enjoy songwriting. It's, it's one of my passions and as well. And Reed Howard. Howland. Reed Howland. That's my best buddy. <laughs> you wrote three of the songs. Yeah. All right. But you never write together? Oh, we do write together. But it's like whoever starts the song just keeps it that way. You know, oh, I mean, he adds okay. and he, he harmonizes with me great. I mean, other than my brother, Reed Howland is the, my best harmonizing buddy. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, of this um, CD, when you released it, did you have any any marketing behind it or publicity behind it? Um, just the regular the regulars that were always behind us since the start of that, that band, the Vinyl Strangers. When the Vinyl Strangers came out, we were on a small label out of Seattle, mm -hmm. um, Washington, called New DNA Records. But uh, they kind of went defunct as well. Oh, <laughs> like no no bad. animosity there. Just um, so we kind of lost that contact. But we did have, acquire a bunch of contacts through that, and we were supposed to tour all the same places that we used to play in uh, March of 2020, like I said, and history will always, uh, will always remember March of 2020. And I see here in the bottom of the, the, the write-up on the, the back side of the CD, 
cover. It says, The Vinyl Strangers dot bandcamp dot com. Oh, yeah. That's where everybody And also facebook.com slash forward slash The Vinyl Strangers. Yes, you can find us at both those places. Bandcamp's a great site to go just to listen to bands if you want. You can just sample everything <laughs> if you want. Um, the Tin Can Tourists are also on Bandcamp as well. And the Tin Can Tourists also have Tin Can Tourist Productions dot com. So you can find us there and hear all the songs. Although I believe all the songs are on YouTube as well. If you just like Google those names, you should be able to find them. Just Google my name, Joe Gerzo, G-U-E-R-Z-O. Uh, if you want to friend me on Facebook, I'm always looking for friends. <laughs> Good. So. Well, I, I've underst- I've, I understand people are saying that buying CDs is not as popular as it's it not. used to be, <laughs> and people are basically downloading their music. Yeah. So. Those two places that I mentioned, are there places where they can download this music? Or? Oh, yes, definitely. The Bandcamp especially. Go out there. Um, they're all available on iTunes, uh, Apple Music, all that general stuff that you can usually find things, Amazon Music. It's all available there. So uh, please do that as well. I think the good thing about CDs is they come with you when you're at a show. It's good to put them on a table so people know that you're doing stuff out there. And when I play an original song, I was like, oh, and it's on that record over there. And I'll point to the record. And, yeah. So if you like the song, go ahead and listen. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, Joe, we need to take a short break. Cool. So everybody stay where you are because we are going to be back in just a moment. I'm Robert Richard, wood sculptor, and I listen to Partnership for the Arts talk show. We are back, and we're continuing to talk with Joe Gerzo. Yes, he said it right, kids. <laughs> yes, yes, I've been practicing in my mind. And we were talking about his bands and uh, recordings that he's released recently. I was just thinking, a lot of musicians, most of the musicians that I know, have day jobs. Mm-hmm. Because, well, it's hard to get by on whatever <laughs> the gigs pay nowadays. Well, I know. So, what's your day job? Well, my day job right now is something different, but I was going to mention that I used to wash dishes all the time around Athens, Georgia, mm. because it's such a bad job that if they threatened to fire me because I was going to go on the road with my band, I would just say, okay, <laughs> I can find another crappy job down the road. So anyway, I did write a song called Dishwater Blues, which is one of my favorite songs of all time that I've ever written um, when I was in a band called Flood City Shootout. Um, but that's nonetheless off topic, but right now I work for what was once called the Charlotte County History Center. It's now called Charlotte County History Services. And I'm um, the oral historian there. I collect oral histories um, from people who've lived around this area. And uh, I record them, I do the interviews, and I transcribe them, which is very tedious. But uh, hopefully uh, most of those are gonna be online pretty soon. And I've done about 50 interviews of people, like the Goff family, I saw the Goff name here. the Quidnos, I mean, just families that you've heard about around here, uh, the Crosslands. Um, and we're also up in Englewood, too. We didn't forget about Englewood and Port Charlotte, but um, the oldest history that we've gotten is pretty much in Punta Gorda and Englewood. <laughs> so that's what I do Local interesting. Day. Local history is very interesting, yeah. and I've read a couple of books that were written by local authors. Yeah. And... And I like yes, my I like my job. It's not like the dishwashing job. So if you can get a job that you enjoy doing, it doesn't feel like a job, which is how music is for me yes. as well. So, so you've recorded fifty, you say? Yeah, fifty interviews, 
And, and then the pandemic happened, and then they're like, oh, well, we're not going to do any live interviews anymore, so why don't you just transcribe everything? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Man, I'm almost done <laughs> with 50 interviews. Right. So I've been working on this project. Does that mean that nothing has been released yet? Um, it's supposed to be out there. I don't know. You can check on the Charlotte County um, History Services website. We're actually affiliated with libraries in history, so go to that page and see. Um, our archivist has told me that it's almost ready. All the ones up to 2018 should be out. And I'm, I'm actually working on the transcriptions for the last one of 2019. And I only did two or three interviews in 2020 before, you know, you know what happened. <laughs> yes, we all know. So yeah. uh, once I'm done with that, I'm all caught up. And I'm going to start doing interviews again. And uh, if, uh, <laughs> if um, Mr. Desgan, Frank Desgan's out there, you're first on my list, man. <laughs> How do you decide who it is you're going to interview? Um, well, I, I had a list um, that was given to me by members of the Historical Society, mm -hmm. and I pretty much touched on all those, and I mean, the first ones were people that they were thinking were very old and possibly sick, um, so we wanted to get we, make sure we got that quite a bit. And you know, it really was a rewarding job because, you know, you get to know these people, they open up, they talk about their entire lives with you, they tell you things that they probably even didn't tell their families about. And you get really close with these people. So I found myself getting close to people and then having to go to funerals, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So um, so that's one of the sad parts. But, you know, I'll, I'll take getting close to somebody and losing them over never knowing them at all, you know, any Very day. good. So, good thought. So, so yeah. <laughs> so that's what that was all about. Well, I'm looking forward to, to yeah. looking for that information. Now, I did see on YouTube you were role-playing a mm -hmm. character from Florida. F.M. Cobb, was it? Oh, I'm usually, I, my, I know who you're talking about. It wasn't, it wasn't a Cobb. I can't even remember because I'm usually Sheriff John Bowman is who I usually portray okay. when we dress up. And Sheriff John Bowman was the sheriff here in, at the turn of the century. This is going from the 1800s into the 1900s. He was the sheriff here in Punta Gorda who was unfortunately murdered in his house. He was assassinated. Oh while his two-year-old daughter was sitting on his lap, someone put a oh shotgun through the window and blew his brains out. Had an unsolved mystery to this day. So I, I was always dressed up as him. Um, yeah, you know, when I started working for the History Center, I was, uh, you know, oh, I'm moving to where my parents were retired. I'm sure it's just a little quiet, boring town. And then I got to learn the history. And, you know, this was the last stop on the railroad. This is the farthest you could go on the railroad to about 1910. So you had a lot of people running away from stuff, and they would end mm -hmm. up here. So you had a lot of outlaws. There was a lot. Of, this little outlaw town. There was a lot of bootlegging going on. I think in the first 14 years, there was like 40 murders that took place in this town oh that we know goodness. of, out of a population of 400. <laughs> so if you think about that, from that perspective, it was a pretty little wild west town with brothels and stuff like that. And uh, so Sheriff Bowman was assassinated here in town, and. Uh, I would always portray him, and we would do these little tours over at Indian Springs Cemetery, and I'd dress up as him, and I'd tell the story of, of his life and, and unfortunately, his passing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this was a wild town. Mm -hmm. One of the history books that I read was a very humorous story about a person who had trained a monkey to sit in the upper window of the house where he had a still going right. and gambling going. And the monkey was trained to go downstairs and notify the owner 
when he saw a person wearing a uniform coming. <laughs> Specifically a uniform. Yes. Wow, that's yes. amazing. The monkey didn't move when there was other people coming around, but when there was a uniformed person, the monkey went and sought out the owner. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot of bootlegging going on right here. <laughs> okay, let's see. You have also a connection with radio station out of um, Northport. Yeah. WKDW 97.5. Every Friday morning, I think it airs around 7 or 7.30, uh, I'm a guest on Rick's show, and uh, I just basically talk for five to seven minutes about what's going on in town. So I'll tell you who's playing where, who's playing, you know, if there's a comedy show or something at Vasani's, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll mention that. I always, of course, mention where my brother the G and I are playing the G-Men or the band, the Tune Cantors. So, so I always get the free plugs there as well. But, you know, I try to to promote as many local clubs and bands um, as possible. So keep my ear to the ground. Unfortunately, I can't get out to these events because I'm usually playing with either the G-Men or the Tin Cantoras. Sure. But, but uh, I'd like to get out to some of them. I think things are slowing down in the summer, so hopefully I'll be able to go see some of my friends' bands play. Things have slowed down <laughs> tremendously. Yes, a little bit. Where, but, I, yeah. where I live, I would say that probably 30% of the people are there and 70% have gone north. Oh, yeah. But in the heart of this thing, man, I was doing three, four gigs in a 24-hour period of time. Oh, my, my family was going nuts. I'm like, I'll, I'll see you guys on Sunday. <laughs> you know? That's a little much. Yeah. <laughs> Must be a little tough in the voice, too. Yeah, well, it's a bit tough. Yeah, last night, my voice was a little sore last night, but I made it mm -hmm. through. Nothing a little tea and honey can't take care of. Well, you're also doing... Um, the interviews with uh, Charlotte County... The CCMF, Charlotte yes. County Musician Factory. Yes. If you remember the CC Music Factory from the 1990s, that's where he took the name from. So. <laughs> so yeah, they asked me to do a show on the arts, and I decided I wanted to interview musicians. So I interview a different singer-songwriter every, every month, and um, it goes online. It's on YouTube on the Charlotte County um, page, so if you want to check it out there. I've interviewed Beth Travers, Michael Hamans, he's a big name around here, and basically we, we interview them and they, they talk about, I ask you the kind, same kind of questions you asked me at the beginning of this interview. Mm -hmm. um, I ask them about their process in songwriting as well, and then they play one song. I say they can only choose one song, and I know it's got to be tough if you have to choose just one, and then they play sure. that, and, and it's just been a great thing, and I just want to help promote local music, and there's a lot of gifted artists around here, and I, I, I want to get them out there. Um, Oh yeah, there are so many performers here. You just look at uh, the Go insert in the newspaper mm -hmm. or the uh, Florida Weekly. And yeah. There's so many things going on. And I'm just proud to be a part of it. It's, it's, yes. it's a great thing. <laughs> now, I was listening to one of your interviews. It was a gentleman holding a, an acoustic guitar. It was in the front of the Celtic Grey. Oh, that's Michael Hamans. Okay. Yeah. We only did one at the Celtic Ray. That's why I knew it was there. <laughs> okay. He was talking about how important it is to make a connection with the audience. Right. So he memorizes all of his music. Okay. And you were jumping right on that. You were saying, yeah, It's true. Too. It's true. Because I like to look at people when I'm playing and, you know, I mean, I have no problem. I know people have, you know, memory problems or whatever. They have to do it. They have to have sheets in front of them. Or mm -hmm. what's very popular now is the iPad, iPad in front. But yes. yeah. But it's, especially if it's your own song, it's easy to remember your own songs because you wrote them. But, you know, it, it is hard to remember. I'm in the process of learning, um, what's the song? Bye Bye Miss American Pie? American Pie. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, as you probably know, is a very long song. It so. is. 
but memorizing those lyrics is, was a tough, tough gig in itself. So, but uh, yeah, I, I do think it's important to connect with the audience any way you can. And by looking around, and if you ever come to my, I, I play every first Tuesday at the Bean Depot, and it's very chill. I just sit there. Well, I don't sit there. I stand, but. But I have conversations with people. I, I joke that this is my monthly therapy session, and we just talk. <laughs> we shoot, you know, we talk about what's going on in the world and how everyone's doing. So, so it's that informal. Yeah, it's pretty informal. I, I like interacting with the audience. <laughs> well, you also said that you had some tricks for helping you memorize the music. Well, yes, yes. Well, I mean, as you know, the the letters in the alphabet for chords or A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So right. you can spell things out. <laughs> so I think of my friend Ed all the time when I'm playing E to D. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. There was an old um, hockey player named Jody Gage <laughs> who was in the Buffalo Sabres organization. So if anytime there's a G, A, G, E in a, in a chord progression, I'm like, I always think of him. So, so those are ways you can try to memorize things like that, spelling out things. <laughs> so... I've always had a hard time memorizing music. Always. I know. So seriously, spelling out things like F A C E, you know, that that, that can help you out. <laughs> That's right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just um, word association. I, I I have a pretty good memory too, so that that helps. Oh, even memorizing lyrics was was difficult mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. And, you know, the band said, "Come on, you know, we got to memorize all this." What I always try to do is close my eyes and try to think of it as a story. You know, mm -hmm. and and once you memorize the story, it doesn't have to be exact, but you know, you get the general gist of how, how what what words are supposed to go where, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's funny how some lyrics are so much easier to catch, mm -hmm. and, and I think it it might be because there is a story behind it. Well, it helps if the melody's catchy, you know, because I mean, who's gonna who's gonna forget, you know. Na 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 na. Hey Jude, you know it's like. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty catchy. <laughs> yeah, those guys are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are pretty good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, you've you've done the radio show. Yeah. You've you've been interviewing musicians. You've been interviewing uh, people for history. You've been playing in three bands. Yep. You're a, you're a dad. <laughs> I can't imagine you have much spare time in your life. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, what, you want to go out for drinks? <laughs> <laughs> no. I was wondering, how do you handle all of that? Um, you know, like I said, you're doing stuff you love. It's really not that much of a chore. I mean, of course your daughter's going to, she can get on your nerves at some point if she's being really rambunctious one day. Mm -hmm. Or the job can get to, to you if your boss is coming down on you. But for the most part, everybody's pretty cool in my life right now. And, uh, and you know, the fact that I'm doing things that I enjoy makes it easy, you know. I, I don't whine about having to play gigs. It's, to me, that's, I mean, that's probably one of the easiest parts of my day, you know. It's there like, you go. Just you sit there playing enjoy songs. yourself when you do Yeah, that. I'm always happy up there. And I wouldn't be doing it if I wasn't, you know. I don't understand how some musicians aren't, but, you know, they're out there. <laughs> yeah, we always seem to have a good time. You and your brother, you guys seem to have a good time. And yeah. you and your band, the Tank. Tin can tourists yeah. and having a good time. Those are those guys were handpicked, man, from band mix. Like those are, those are good guys. It, I, it's almost more important that they're people you want to hang out with, more so than how talented they are. You know, not that they're not talented, but I'm just mm -hmm. saying, if I had a t two talented guys up at about the same level, but one guy was easier to get along with, I'd go with the guy who's easier to get along there with. There you go. That makes sense. And with the case with my brother, like I said, I was I'm six years younger than him, so. 
I mean, if you told me when I was 13 I'd be playing in a group with my brother, I would have said, hey, that's got to be the greatest thing in the world, you know? So, because I used to follow him and his bandmates around like a puppy dog, you know? So, <laughs> do you think that either of your two bands uh, are going to do more recording and, and might, in fact, hit the road? Um, I would like to. Um, that's, I, I'm always writing new songs. Um, I've got probably enough for another album if anyone's interested in playing it with me. I haven't really bounced them off the guys yet. I'm, I'm never sure if I'm going to play them with the guys up in Athens or the guys down here, but right. but I have them ready, and we are, as soon as we get a chance, I'd, I'd be, love to do it. My brother was the producer on, on the Tin Can Tourist album. I forgot to mention that. So, oh. so Chris, he, that's what he really enjoys. He loves doing studio work. Um, he's got his own studio. It's called Chris G Productions, and... Uh, you can find him on the internet as well. So, But if I'm doing recording down here in, in town, that's where I go. All right. Well, since you're the, the person who wrote the songs uh, on this CD, we should have no problem playing them. Okay. And You want to pick out a song from there? Yes. Tell me about Martian Doll. Martian Doll. Okay. Well, that was just a love song I wrote for a, a girl named Ashley Mars Teller. Her name was Mars Teller. She told me her name was spelled like that because, it, remember it, because it's, she's a bank teller on Mars. So okay, yeah. I was dating her, and I wrote that song for her. It's called Martian Doll. And after a couple of years, she became Ashley Gerzo. So uh, it's actually for my wife. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Martian Doll. That's the second song on the album. Wonderful. <laughs> Great. Well, we're going to play it, and I'm sure that our listening audience is going to love it. That's definitely poppy. All right, let's, let's take a listen. Let me tell you about a girl I know, pure as the snow, falling on my grain caravan. That would drive it straight through the night, straight from the light, on the road or up in the sky. Cause she matters to me. Well, Joe, that was a very nice piece of music that you wrote. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the CD. Oh, good. It's yours. Keep it. It's a gift for me. Thank you so much. <laughs> you and... also have the Vinyl Strangers record out over there as well. Oh, super. <laughs> great. I love to hear different music that I haven't heard before. <laughs> That's great. And we had a good talk today. Yes, we did. So I hope you had a good time. I had a great time. Good. Me too. <laughs> and uh, listeners, thank you for, for being with us. And you can find out more information about Joe by just going to uh, YouTube and you could go to uh, Facebook. And I think you will see all these different videos that he's, yeah. he's put up. The name's Joe Gerzo, G-U-E-R-Z-O. I guess if you just Google that, it'd probably be fine. But like I said, you can find the band Tin Can Tourists or Vinyl Strangers or the G-Men on bandcamp.com, facebook.com. And we're available on all those streaming places like Spotify and um, maybe a couple more iTunes, Amazon Music, all that stuff. So please check it out. And uh, <laughs> yes, do you have time to play a Vinyl Stranger song or no? A Vinyl Stranger song? Yeah, you could do that too. I think that'd be a good way to end, end our conversation. <laughs> I always say to my folks, be well, and see you next time.
Thanks for listening to the Partnership for the Arts talk show.